Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to 15 Minutes with Lincoln. I'm one of your two hosts, Timothy Robert Dunn, a common man in Chicago. And I am your other host, Abraham Lincoln, 16th President of the United States, and also, now, a comedy writer. This is a political podcast featuring the perspectives of myself, a modern millennial, and those of Abe, one of our great presidents, and one of our up-and-coming comedy writers. Busy week on the show. I write for Huck, as listeners know, and we had a really great week of show, and we have another week of show coming up. You write for you write for Governor Mike, Huck, Mike Huckabee on his late night show on uh, Trinity Broadcast. Yeah, Huck with an exclamation point. Yeah. So yeah, things are going really well at the show, and uh, you know, just really, the creative juices are flowing, so to speak. We have a, you know, sure, great writers' room, and. Sure. Like, are you guys pulling Gutfeld numbers, or are you still at, at like, TBS? Oh, we haven't looked at Gutfeld's numbers at all. Um, we don't know, even know where he's at, but uh, we assume he's... Pretty good, it seems like. It seems like he's doing pretty well. Oh, well, you know, uh, I think that the, the good news is there weren't a lot of late-night comedy shows, and I think that, you know, there's plenty of room for uh, for both of us. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you, in a specific market. Yeah, there weren't a lot of late night comedy shows. It looks like this week you had Representative uh, Doug Collins of Georgia, uh, Chef Brenda Gant, uh, University President Dr. Everett Piper, comedian Jeremy Nunez, and musical guest Mark Farner. Can I just say that's that is a really busy show. Like, on top of two guests, you have a chef, a comedian, and a musical guest. It's just like... I don't, I don't want to tell you your business, but why not just have another segment to let Huck do his thing, sling some jokes, do like a, a second desk bit or something like that, you know? Look, all these other shows are every night, but we do a show once a week, so we have to kind of cram it all in. And imagine if you watch like just the highlights of a show, you know, the weeks, a week-long show, just put the highlights on the weekend. That's what we do, basically. Just a couple minutes like every week. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we got the comedian, we got the chef uh parker and we got the representative and we have uh we had so many good things and the camera stayed on hook the whole time well congratulations man i'm glad the, i'm glad the show's going well even with the kind of gut felt juggernaut that's going on so uh yeah and some people uh may or may not be um having a um a meet a meeting uh next week to discuss um oh the union uh, that's amazing, buddy. Uh, so this would this would be like um, kind of Huckabee giving, <laughs> doing his like thing of saying why you they shouldn't have a uh, you guys shouldn't have a union. Well, I think what you're referring to is the meeting we had this week, which was Huckabee met with the whole staff and said, "Look, here's the problem: if you have a union, it's going to be hard for you to have access to me, the Huck, and I am one of the most magnifying personalities in show business, and you're going to want to have." What you have now, which is unfettered communication straight to me. And then he said mm. Protestant style. Mm. And then he, uh, he said, none of this papery. And he said, but if you elect a youth representative, you're basically going to have a pope who's going to be the person or a priest who will have to kind of get between you and God. And I started to think like, oh, okay, interesting. So are you? So you're making yourself God in this metaphor? That's understandable. I get. And then he said, and you know, right. the thing about priests uh, is you don't really, you know, can't really trust them because they always want to 
get in your shorts. And that's what unions do one way or the other, whether they're collecting union dues, which are just a waste of your money, or if they, you know, are going to want to molest you. And he said, look, I'm not saying that the unions or whoever's starting this union is someone who wants to molest you, but I think if the person who organized the union wants to step forward and perhaps clear the air and say that they aren't just interested in molesting people, uh, that would be that'd be really good. Um, and uh, so I stood up and I... Getting some real anti-Catholic vibes here. Oh, well, maybe a little bit, yeah. And then um, I didn't really even pick up on that, I suppose. You know, I don't see all this division that the left sees everywhere. I just, you know, everyone's just looking for people to be, you know, prejudiced some way or another, and I just don't see it. So anyway, I stood up, I said, well, you know, perhaps the UD representative, the union organizer might feel a little intimidated by this whole thing and this whole situation that... Um, one of Huck's daughters uh, revs the chainsaw and said, what's intimidating about this? And we said uh, nothing. And then um, the other Huck's daughter opened up the, the fridge and one of them just chainsawed the fridge in half and cleared our lunches. And mm-hmm. Huck was like, you know, it hurts me to do this. It hurts me so much to see this go. So now we don't have a, lu- uh, a refrigerator for our lunches. Um, but I got one of those... Wow. I got one of those cool packs that you could put in your lunch that keeps it cool for four hours. So I have that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I had those for basketball camp. I, I remember. I didn't know you went to basketball camp. Um, yeah, I went to, I went to Johnny tower basketball camp in uh, Minneapolis. Do you remember when the pandemic started and you got mad at me? Cause I was still playing hoops at the park every day. Yeah. And admittedly the CDC would say that's probably a fine way to exercise and socialize. Well, there you go. The CDC might as well be flip flop flam because it's going back and forth. I mean, if you were at like Coachella, that would be a problem. But admittedly, we just didn't know enough about the virus, and I was judging you, Abe. So I'm sorry for trying to break up your basketball games. Although, admittedly, if you were like defending and up in a guy's face, you could still get droplets on them. Yeah, well, nobody was ever up in my face because they couldn't catch me. <laughs> They're more up in my. All right, fair, yeah, fair enough, Abe. So anyway, we're having a meeting next week. Some of us uh, underneath the underneath the Memphis overpass on the Memphis, the second okay. Memphis overpass on I fifty seven next week, two a.m. And sorry, why there and then? Just when people are free. <laughs> okay, it feels like it's kind of an intimidating setting for a, a you know meeting about a union oh well uh spread the word surreptitiously and selectively and we'll see okay. uh because it just seems like um right now it seems like the union is kind of having the opposite effect it was formed to try to make the working conditions a little better and now we don't have a fridge uh-huh. he's got an extra daughter around the the, the studio with the chainsaw and he's yeah. implied that the person organizing the union is a um you know a molesting clergy person, and I think that's just tr- troubling. Well, um, even through all of this, I still, Abe, I think you're doing the right thing, just from a looking out for your co-worker's standpoint. I know it's tough, but um, stay, stay strong, man. I, you know, maybe you should tell someone about that chainsaw thing, because I don't think that's something that they should just be able to have in the workplace. That seems like a, a clear hazard. Even, you know, I know he probably doesn't respect federal 
standards, but maybe it's like a state law he could adhere to. Well, that's interesting because one of the first things they did is we had this wheelchair ramp that went into the building, and then one of the first things that his daughters did were they chopped up the wheelchair ramp, saying we don't respect federal regulations. Federal law, yeah, right. And so anyway, it was a whole thing, and then it was kind of tricky that night at the show because like, you know, probably, I don't know, not all of our audience uses a wheelchair to get to the show, but, you know, just mm-hmm. pretty much only like 30 to 40% of them. So anyway, <laughs> as penance, Huck made his daughters give those people piggyback ride. Like they had to give the piggyback rides all the way up to the top of the yeah. steps instead to view the studio. Um and then uh, he, he said that they, since they were good girls, they, that they wouldn't be forced to have to give them piggyback rides down after the show. So a lot of them just kind of like okay. slid, All right. like slithered on their backsides or like kind of crawled on their stomachs. And Huck watched the whole thing from his window. And so that's why you hire the ha- handicap because they're fun to watch. Okay. Uh, before we move on, just one quick question I've always kind of wondered. When a chef comes onto a late-night show and they make a bunch of food, do they distribute it out to, like, the writing staff? Like, did you get a piece, or did it all go to Huck? Oh, good question. Yeah, it all it all went to Huck. Yeah. It did. It all went well, to Huck. You know, okay, that's because he already was kind of taking prima nocta, as he called it, at our lunches. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, this all went... In fact, the whole segment was kind of difficult because we had to do a couple takes because... Um, Huck didn't right. understand the concept of like ingredients because Huck said he was just eating the wrong he was ingredients. ingredients. Yeah. He's like, what? This is food, isn't it? And the chef part of, you know, chef would be like, yes, it is food. Well, then I eat it. And then he's like, well, no, it's got to go into this. It's, you got to make these things and it's going to be a meal. And Huck's like, there's only two meals I know, mm-hmm. three meals I know. One, the potluck after church. You go down there, there's a bunch of food ready. Two, you go to a nice restaurant, you know. Um, like an Arby's, and you sit down and they bring you the food, or you get it at the counter. Or a third, you get a you, if you have to go to the grocery, you have to get your own food from the freezer and stick it into the microwave. He said those, are, and so, right. and that got kind of a laugh because people were like, ah, ha, ha, kind of funny. He's like, I'm just kidding. I know, I know what ingredients are. And then the chef was like, Do you? And Huck's like, Yeah. The chef said, Okay, then what are ingredients? And Huck's like, well, like, I know what ingredients are, but, like, I don't, like. I should have watched this whole clip. Is this all in there? Or did we you cut, cut around, around it? it. There's just, like. Okay. Huck's right. like, well, I know what ingredients are. I just, like, I can't, like, say right now what ingredients are. <laughs> and the chef's like, no, no, no. I want to hear you say what ingredients are. And Huck's like, yeah, ingredients are, like, uh, molecules or, you know, all that. And then he's like the chef's like they're like molecules or they are molecules and then huck's like they i'm i'm really liking this chef if i'm gonna be honest this chef is great and then the that huck was like they are molecules and huck was like huck was like right and then the chef said well sure yeah molecules are part of ingredients but that's not really that specific i mean could you actually tell me what like ingredients are like what are the ingredients in an apple pie and then Huck was like, yeah, ingredients of apple pie are apple pie. And then the chef was like, you should have just stopped after apple. And then Huck's like, you know what? We should have just, 
we should have stopped, at, you know, after, um, uh, and then he, he said, he looked around for a little bit, and then Huck just looked at the camera and said, Blue Lives Matter. And then the audience applauded. Right. But you, yeah, you eventually got there as for the clip. Yeah, that's good, man. Yeah, we're going to break that out for our social later in the week. Yeah. Uh, buddy, <laughs> we got to pivot hard because we're almost 13 minutes in. You and I wanted to talk about Biden's first 100 days and uh, give him a little bit of a report card on how we think he's doing. Uh, you obviously, your perspective has, let's say, changed a little bit since you've been on the podcast. I know you regularly cover Joe Biden for the Huck. I guess I'm asking you to leave the comedy writer behind and just kind of talk as a as a former president yourself, like how you think he's doing. Obviously, his 100 days has wasn't as turbulent as yours, but um, you know, what are your what are your thoughts as far as um, first few months here? Well, it's hard to turn off the comedy writer because I do it all day, but I'm also not allowed to do political comedy on the podcast. I will say this: he's clearly trying to set a tone, and he is acting much bolder than a lot of people expected him to and he really thinks he's got an opportunity here to take advantage of this upcoming uh, post-coronavirus boom to reshape the economy or reimagine how government can be a part of the economy and i think he is frankly speaking a lot about bipartisanship but there hasn't there haven't been a whole lot of uh bipartisan um you know legislation it's hard to see if people are actually going to work with him or not correct and i don't know how much of that is his fault but yeah i i i think i'm on the same page as you there i I guess i go back and forth of like oh i love the idea of bipartisan legislation but also like the guy's only got maybe you know a year and a half more when he'll be able to get things done before the republicans take over the house and maybe the senate so like now is the time to if he can get things through just get things through so I don't think people are going to be like, you know, if he gets universal pre-K for all Americans, no one's going to be that mad. This is like a whole other topic. Even saying universal pre-K, I feel like that idea to you is probably pretty crazy. Um, yeah, maybe we should talk about that on another episode. Um, but I feel like people will ultimately be happier with the results than they are with, you know, some idea of bipartisanship. I think that's what he's banking on. And I think, you know, he certainly, coming from the perspective that, well, if government does a bunch of things for people, then people will like the government. But, you know, what happened to, instead of voting for people because they do things for you, what happened to just voting for people because you were afraid of the other people? You know, I miss, I, I miss those days. <laughs> I think, I think that's alive and well, just not with progressives and Democrats. I don't know. Uh one last thing before we go yeah I have, one, I have one monologue joke that i um hit, yeah. oh hit me man uh president biden unveiled his new budget this week and it's a big spending bill he's got one trillion in there for canceling he's got another trillion in there for oh boy coming up with new genders Okay. And then of course he's got two trillion in there. Uh-huh. For nap time. 
So okay, cool. So it's kind of like you're imagining what the budget would be and kind of like, kind of pushing some culture war things in there. And also that he's sleepy. Yeah, he's sleepy. Yeah. Um, you know, pretty good. It's a little long for a monologue joke, if I'm being honest with you. What? Our monologue is 17 minutes. Uh, fair. I guess, like, why not make it... Here's what you do. Make it a segment. Make it, like, you know, um... Like, the whole segment... Again, this is where you do a second desk piece. You do your monologue, then you come back and and you go, like, hey, uh, as it turns out, we got an early copy of Joe Biden's uh, first bill... Uh, and then you go through line by line. You can do like 30 jokes that way. Just don't make it part of the monologue because it's going to feel like, I don't know, you're taking a, a big a big pause or a big break to tell these three jokes. I'm sorry. I went, I, I went nuts there. I, I apologize. It's just I'd love to be in your position. I'd love to be a comedy writer. So, well, you know. for someone who doesn't want to work at my show, you certainly have a lot of ideas. <laughs> Why don't you attend this underpass meeting and meet some of the other writers? I'm kind of, I don't, that seems dangerous to me. I don't think I'm going to no, go to that. No, just take 57 from Chicago, drive on down. Maybe. Yeah, I'll, I'll, why don't we check in? I'll text you next week to, like, we'll review schedules on this one. Um, folks, if you have any thoughts um, on, gosh, the first 100 days of the Biden administration or um, whether or not Abe should go to this meeting, please email us at 15 minutes with Lincoln at gmail.com. That's numerical one five minutes with Lincoln at gmail.com. Uh, and as always, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Abe, we haven't talked about movies in a while. You see Mortal Kombat? No, I haven't, though. But I've seen a lot of good movies on the Trinity Broadcasting Network. Oh, like which ones? Um, God and Me. Um, Two Angels, One Cup. Uh, I, I saw... Uh, <laughs> what is that one about? What is that one about? It's about um, a, a, a coffee shop that seems like Starbucks, but it's not quite Starbucks, that says, like, hey, everyone, okay. we, we've heard that you have all been getting together and praying before your shifts, and we're not going to allow that. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. an angel goes undercover there to, like, to help people because they're really struggling with that, not being able to yeah. pray. But then another angel goes undercover there to like try to change the manager's mind so they have the two angels right and then they have the one cup and that's it's a yeah, copy, yeah because the bathroom's broken folks we'll see you next time on 15 minutes with Lincoln.